When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are words that still ring true Some that fall out of the blue There are words that warmly glow There are wounds that always show There are those who well say Stand in your way and try to darken your day. But who says you must obey? You can throw them all away. I can't hear you. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to When I Fell Away, an original song by Andrew McManus, a native of Northern Ireland now living in Cleveland. Andrew is our featured musical artist this week, so stick around to the end of the podcast, and we'll tell you a little bit more about him. But right now, stoke that campfire, we've got a new Ohio mystery to share. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder. And with me is our researcher and storyteller, Paula Schleiss, whose journalism career included some 30 years at the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. So, what's on the agenda tonight, Paula? Steve, uh, I think it's time for a treasure hunt. Ooh, buried treasure. Been a few months since we've done that one. Is this a real one? Well, let me lay it out for you, and you decide. This time, the X that marks the spot is in Stark County at a place called Myers Lake. You're probably too young to have heard of Myers Lake Amusement Park. No, I've heard of Myers Lake Amusement Park. Well, good. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm told I was there as a little girl. I don't remember it, uh, though my siblings sure do. I do remember my parents talking about the ballroom there and how they won some kind of dance contest one night back in the... Oh, it must have been the late 40s or early 50s. I didn't I know they did that. Wow. They did. That's oh, they love to dance. I was raised on polkas, you know, and they're not around for me to ask anymore, but I got to believe they won doing the polka. Oh, yeah. They could move yeah. polka. Oh, they could. Even when they were older, they were really good. They were. Well, that amusement park has been gone for, oh, four decades or more, but our story is going to take place at least a century before anyone even thought of putting an amusement park there. Now, I learned this one, Reading Legends and Lost Treasure of Northern Ohio, a really entertaining book filled with colorful tales written by Wendy Coyle. So this story begins with the patriarch of the Myers family, a man named Andrew, an early settler with a fascinating history. Andrew and his older brother Francis, they served in Napoleon's army, and they knew the infamous emperor personally. Francis was a colonel who fought at the Battle of Waterloo, and Napoleon bestowed on him the Legion of Honor, 
which included a diamond-studded insignia, and he was also given a one-of-a-kind sword with diamonds in the handle. And Andrew, he ended up becoming a pirate, actually a legalized pirate, in the fight for our country's freedom. Oh, okay. So let me tell you how that happened. That happened after Andrew and Francis left their home in Prussia to move to America, specifically Baltimore, Maryland. And during the War of 1812, Andrew became a constitutionally sanctioned privateer. That was a fancy name for a legalized pirate back then. The only difference between a pirate and a privateer was that the U.S. government would give you something called a letter of mark. And that made what you were about to do legal. I'm allowed to board your boat. Here's the paper. Exactly. I'm sure the people they were boarding still just saw them as pirates. But, you know, back then the U.S. didn't have much of a navy. So the country really depended on captains of merchant ships to attack and capture or destroy ships of enemy nations. So Andrew Meyer outfitted a pair of his ships, the Joseph and the Mary, and plundered British commercial vessels all in the name of American freedom. Anyway, many of these privateers, they were celebrated in the media of the time. They were heroes, and they no doubt benefited handsomely from the riches their vessels accumulated. And if you'll let me digress just a tiny bit here, because I love history, and the history of these government pirates is pretty interesting. But in 1814, so this is a couple years after the War of 1812, the British landed at Baltimore, where Andrew Meyer was living, with the intent to burn it down as punishment for its connection to the privateers. But their plans were thwarted, and it was the American defense of that city that Francis Scott Key watched as he was inspired to write The Star-Spangled Star Banner. Banner. Nice. There you go. So you got sort of like a couple degrees separation between Myers Lake and the country's national anthem. I'll take it. Like how I worked that together? Well, anyway, four years after the War of 1812 in 1818, Andrew left behind his brother Francis in Baltimore and moved west to be part of the country's expansion. And back then, the Wild West was... The Ohio Valley. It was Ohio. Yeah. So to thank Andrew Meyer for his help during the War of 1812, President James Madison gave him some land in Stark County. Now, Andrew helped his brother-in-law establish a mercantile business, but Andrew's real passion was in real estate. And this he used to continue to add to his fortune, making him one of the richest men in the state. He used some of his wealth to add to the land he had been given, and he ended up accumulating almost 3,000 acres of the area surrounding Myers Lake. In 1822, Andrew and his wife finally finished their mansion, a three-story, 17-room residence that was five years in the making. Now, Andrew, he was known as a charitable man. He donated money to the development of Canton. He was really active in his church. And and I love how there were contemporary reports of how he befriended an old Native American named Beaver Cap who lived in a wigwam on the fringe of Myers land. Oh, cool. But no matter how much good Andrew did, people were mostly fascinated by his wealth. The local media often reported on his mansion, the priceless antiques, the fancy embellishments in every room. 
Reportedly, there was a large trunk in the third floor hallway made of heavy iron and inlaid with jewels of many colors, and it featured a secret keyhole. Now, banks back then were an iffy proposition, so it would be understandable if he had made other arrangements to store his wealth. And with that 17-room mansion, you know, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, lots of hiding places there. Or maybe places right outside the mansion. Because when Andrew Meyer died in 1848, that's when the rumors started flying. People came forward to say how they had once seen him on Meyer's Lake sinking a copper boat loaded with unidentified objects. Others reported he used to walk around the lakeshore with a shovel. One neighbor insisted he knew for a fact that Andrew buried gold and rubies on his property. And so the treasure hunters came, scouring the property for this loot. Now, Andrew was a father to five, and his land remained in the family for several generations. In 1888, his grandson, Edward Meyer, took ownership of the mansion and some of the land, where he raced racehorses. Oh, cool. You would have liked to. Heck yeah. You're a big uh, racehorse buff. Well, Ed, Ed Meyer once told reporters he often encountered people who had snuck onto his land, pickaxes and shovels in hand, looking for his grandfather's wealth. When a kettle of buried gold was unearthed several miles away in Akron, even more treasure hunters turned their eye toward Meyer's Lake as if the find in Akron validated the possibility of there being more buried <laughs> treasure out there. The treasure hunters came in droves. They hired local clairvoyants to conduct seances. They brought along psychics with them. They tried using divining rods. Mostly, they came at night between midnight and 1 a.m. Do you know why? No, I don't. Well, back then, people believed that was the single hour when the spirits of the dead rested. Only that hour. That hour. Okay. So if you wanted to do some peaceful digging and you didn't want the ghosts bothering you, you went between midnight and 1 a.m. Eastern time. Eastern time. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the stories of that time, they steered treasure hunters to three places. Many tales put Andrew's shovel digging activities between where his mansion was. And today that is just northeast of the present-day Lehman Middle School and the southern shore of Myers Lake. Other stories pointed to the southern shore of Myers Lake along 12th Street Northwest between South Park and West Park Avenues. And the third, of course, is the bottom of the lake where Andrew was said to have sunk that boat full of loot. Now, Edward Meyer said he personally doubted that his grandfather had buried this money on the farm. After all, he said, this is the same grandpa who used to tell me how he put a sea serpent in the lake and dumped salt water in there to help it survive. <laughs> what a great storyteller. Yes. You know what? There's a, probably a 10-minute mystery in there. Let's go find that <laughs> yeah, sea let's serpent. let's do that. But as long as the treasure hunters agreed to fill the holes they dug and give Edward Meyer a cut of anything they found... Andrew Meyer's grandson said he just allowed it. He, he kind of got a kick out of it. And in time, locals forgot the story of Andrew Meyer and the legend of his buried treasure. But Meyer's Lake, like we said, would become famous for something else. The entire West Shore was turned into a popular amusement park, drawing crowds by thousands each summer. 
It lasted until the late 1970s, when competition from the likes of Cedar Point, Geauga Lake, and Kings Island was just too much. It was shut down, and the property was parceled off and sold. The mansion at Broad Avenue and 12th Street had been abandoned years earlier. The family had stopped living in it sometime in the 30s or 40s. A local story described the vacant structure as moody and mysterious and likely haunted. In 1975, the house burned down, a victim of arson. So what do you think, Steve? Possible or no? Oh, you know me. I I think it's possible, for sure. I do. Well, I bet our armchair detective has an opinion on this. Tonight, we welcome Wendy Coyle, the author of Legends and Lost Treasure of Northern Ohio. Hi, Wendy. Hi there, Steve. Hey, Wendy. Hey, Paula. Listen, you got to tell us how you came to write that book. I mean, were you always intrigued by stories of buried treasure? I mean, who's not? But to go to the lengths of researching and writing that book, tell us about your motivation. Okay. Well, definitely my passion for treasure digging goes way back. And I remember when I was a little girl, I would dig up my parents' and grandparents' backyard and also at the beach. I was always digging for treasure. And so as I grew older, of course, I wasn't out digging for treasure, but I was was fascinated with the stories. And then about 10 years ago, I'd walked out and I had saw my daughter and nephew. They were digging a large hole in the yard. And I asked, what are you doing? Well, at this point, they had told me, well, we're digging for pirates treasure. So then this light bulb kind of went off, and I thought, you know, I wonder if in Ohio we even had a treasure story or if there was ever treasure in our state. Um, So later on that day, I went in and I started to research. I went through some old newspaper archives, and I found out that all 88 counties have their at least one tale of a treasure story. Um, and so then that's kind of how the idea for the book was born. How cool. How did, yeah, definitely. How did you come across the Myers legend? Because, you know, I mean, I probably live about 20 minutes from there, and I have never heard of, of this one. How did you find out about that one? Okay, and I'm in the same boat as you. I had never heard of that one. But I started to kind of lurk around on these uh, metal detector and treasure hunter forums. And on the one treasure hunter forum, which I can't remember the name of right now, there was just a little blurb about this Myers Lake treasure. And um, I remember my parents talking about going to the Myers Lake amusement park. So it kind of was an interesting connection for me. And I love amusement parks. I'm like, how cool is it that there could be a treasure um, associated with Myers Lake? So that's sort of how I found out about that particular treasure. So here's the, the key question. Is there a buried treasure at Myers Lake? <laughs> From what you've read, what do you think? Well, as far as Andrew Meyer actually having a trunk of gold and sinking it into the lake, as the legend goes, I I don't think that happened. However, you know, in the time that Andrew lived in his lifetime, there had been two major bank crashes. So the bank crash of, um, I believe it was uh, 1791 and 1832. So 
at that time, and this is the time of the early settlers in Ohio, there wasn't any trust in our banking system. So Andrew, he dealt in cash. Um, if you look back through some of his old transactions, he, was a real, he dealt a lot with real estate. He dealt in cash. So my thoughts are, what are you going to do with all that cash if you're not putting it into a bank and you don't trust the banks? So I feel like Andrew, along with many other Ohio settlers, um, it's very possible that they could have buried lump sums out into the, their yards. So as far as them sinking a treasure into the lake, no. But I feel like there is a great possibility that there could be something buried out there on that property. I'm with you. Uh, you know, the the lake seems kind of silly. I mean, what if right. you're going to put your treasure into the middle of a lake, you have to get it back up when you want it. <laughs> and it just does not seem a convenient way to be handling, you know, your treasures. The concept of bearing, I mean, I love archaeology and, and I, I mm-hmm. you know, archaeological finds. And once I purchased a couple little ancient Roman coins from the internet, and I was so intrigued by them. And they talked about how people find these coins in, you know, the the remains of, you know, little leather satchels buried all over Europe because it was Mm -hmm. very common when somebody wanted to hide their money, you would put it into the ground. And I thought, you know, back in the early 1800s, why not? I mean, Banks were not particularly safe places, and if you if a bank got robbed, I'm not sure that the they had insurance back then where you got your money back. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. And you know, as early as 2014, I don't know if you remember reading about it, but that California couple um, had had moved to new property and they were digging and they found coins worth ten million dollars in today's money. So. Oh. You know, the possibilities are still out there, um, especially with the hiding it in the grounds. They hid it in old barns. Um, so the list goes on and on. But The French uh, army buried the gold in Minerva? Oh, yeah. We, we did a buried treasure last year in yeah. Minerva. That was a good one. Yeah. I am ready to get out my uh, metal detector. I'm, I'm buying into these things. I'm very gullible, though. Well, listen, did you have a chance to re- review your book? Because I wanted you to have the opportunity to point out a couple more, you know, of your favorite stories out of that book. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, well, it's interesting because one of my very favorites is the Minerva Lost French Gold Treasure, which I know you covered on your podcast. Yes. Uh, um, but Love that one. Me too. And one of the fascinating parts of that one is that, you know, it has a letter. And within that letter, there's all kinds of clues. Um, and then every one of those clues has been uncovered. But the question is, where is the treasure? Right. Yes, there seemed to be so much evidence, you know, that, that there was something going on there. Yeah, so that's definitely why that one is so intriguing to me. Of all the treasure stories I've covered and read about, I'm like, this one's just missing one important item, and that's the treasure. The actual treasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else? Is there, is there another one in that book that, that really captured your imagination? Uh, sure. There was a treasure about a treasure story about John Dillinger, 
And a lot of people do not know that John Dillinger and his gang spent some time in Ohio. And um, in northwest Ohio, in a little town called Lespic, they had a hideout. And if you've ever been to the northwest portion of the state, you know, it's just miles and miles of cornfields. And so they were out on a farmhouse and the cornfields were, of course, all grown up around. And they believed the gang would hide their treasures out there after they had robbed a bank because they obviously weren't going to put it in a bank. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Yeah, they were believed to have hit it out there. And with that story, what was really interesting is after John Dillinger was killed, the FBI staked that property out and hid out in the cornfields, and they were just waiting for the rest of the gang to come back and you know, pull out their treasure wherever it may be. So that one was really fascinating to me that they had taken that much time to stake out the place. That's a great story. Steve has been after me for months to do some kind of Ohio Mysteries uh, episode on gangsters. Mobsters, yeah. Mobsters. And I'm like, I need a a mystery. I need a mystery. So (laughs) there you go. I'll have to look into this one. Yes, you can. And I know somebody has a book on it, so... Well, your book was was great fun, and there were some other stories. I mean, there's so many little stories in there, and you reminded me of the uh, the giants that lived out in Medina County, Captain oh, Bates. Right. Was, yes, giants. Why would they call them giants? They were in um, they were in the carnival. They oh. were, I mean, they became very wealthy by traveling with. Uh, were they with mm-hmm. Barnum, Barnum and Bailey? I believe so. At part a part of the. Um, Part of their touring was with Barnum and Bailey. So they were taller than me. Uh, they were. Uh, Steve bit, is yeah. six foot seven, but yeah, they were. <laughs> well, they were. They were taller than you. They were. Uh, Edmund Kemper sevens. Oh, okay. Oh no, they were giants, and uh, his wife too. And they they had a baby, but the baby didn't live long, right? That's right, and I think that was sort of her undoing, especially the the wife, because she just, I felt like she never got over that part of her life. And um, she just took ill after that and never really recovered. So, but yeah, with that story, um, not only do you have the fascination of these people in the circus and they were these giants, but they had fell in love in the circus and um, and then they they traveled together after that, but they had been given um, like prizes from the Queen of England and this and that. And so when they came back to their um, homestead here in Ohio, that was what the town wondered: well, where are they putting all of this? So that's where the treasure story with the giants of Seville comes into play. And they didn't have any heirs to leave it to, so I guess we still right. don't know where did all that's of that ex- stuff end up. Right. Yep, you're right. Yeah. It makes me think of, uh, in, in tonight's story, uh, Andrew Byer, his brother had received stuff from Napoleon, and his brother was a bachelor and had nobody to pass it on. I'm like, where are those things? Somebody's got to have those you know the Legion of Honor insignia and the uh, the sword with a studded uh, diamond studded handle. Where are those things yeah. at? Yeah, you would think that would be an heirloom that was passed down, and that somebody would maybe have that on display or as part of Canton history. Or it might but, be at uh, the bottom of Myers Lake. <laughs> it, it definitely could be. Like in the shell of a <laughs> copper boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, Wendy, I got to remind people to to pick up your book. Oh, you, and you also covered the Marquette and Bessemer number two, which we did, oh, we did an that episode too, yeah. on. Yeah, yes, I listened to that one as well. So your book is still available. People can go to Amazon.com and and purchase it there. And yep. um, she's listening to our old episodes before we even had a soundboard. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, what had happened? I had kind of stumbled on the podcast about four months ago. So then I listened to the first one, which I actually listened to the lost French gold. And then I loved how you did the story. So I binged on like all of the older ones. So now I'm up to date. And every, every Monday on my commute home, I look forward to that because I know, yes, they record on Sunday and on Monday night I get to listen to a new one. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Well, that makes us smile. We are happy to be helping you uh, make that journey home on uh, Monday. (laughs) All right. And I suspect, Wendy, we can find your book in local bookstores, right? Yes, there are several um, Barnes and Nobles around the area that cover it. Um, and then up around the lake shore, I have some books about Lake Erie, so you'll find those as well as the treasure book and several bookstores up in that area as well. Actually, I think uh, also, Steve, I think you were the first one to find this book, and it was at Books a Million, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I gave it to you. Yeah, that's right. We were standing there looking at books, and he said, look at this one. <laughs> and I said, there are some mysteries in there, Steve. we got to check that one out. <laughs> Well, Wendy, thank you so much for being our armchair detective tonight. It was wonderful having an armchair detective who has done such thorough research on the topic. Right. So we appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor to be an armchair detective on the podcast. Well, that's it for tonight, campers. For photos, clippings, links, and more for this and every episode, visit our website, ohiomysteries.com. Now, how about a little bit more on our Ohio featured musical artist, Paula? You bet. Andrew McManus is a singer-songwriter from Northern Ireland, County Armagh, if you're familiar with that I have no idea. County Armagh. And, uh, you know, he was heavily influenced by local myths and legends of Irish literature that were set there, and that inspired him to produce artwork and music with a distinctly Celtic and ethereal quality. Andrew is currently living in Brecksville, Ohio, and if you want to see him and you're in Northeast Ohio, he's going to be at P.J. McIntyre's in Cleveland for happy hour on May 24th. And he's also going to be performing at Irish festivals all over the place throughout the summer. He's going to be at Hooley, at Cam's Corners in Cleveland on June 15, the Cleveland Irish Cultural Festival July 19 through 21, the Ohio Celtic Festival September 20 through 22, and a new festival called The Whale on September 14. And Andrew had this to say about the song we featured tonight, When I Fell Away. He says that it's an optimistic song about how good things can arise from even the worst situations. The dark days will fade away and will lead to new opportunities and brighter days ahead. So never give up. I wrote it from personal experience when I lost my job while living in Ireland due to the recession, which set me off on a worldwide adventure of travel and led me to meet my wife and to my new life here in Ohio. I hope the lyrics of the song resonate with other people, too. And, you know, Steve, Andrew, he's also a full-time architect. 
and a talented artist who developed his own unique style of Celtic knotwork. Anyway, for more on Andrew McManus, check out his website, www.amcmanus, that's M-C-M-A-N-U-S, music.com. All right, well, we'll put a link to it on our website under our featured music link. But for right now, crank up the volume. Listen to the entire version of When I Fell Away. And we'll meet you back here next week for a new Ohio Mystery. There are places we can go There are worlds we do not know In the dark day Thought I lost it all when I fell away When all is fine When I am yours and you are mine Live, laugh, love, grow When I fell away, let my pain go There are words that still ring true Some that fall out of the blue Words that warmly glow There are wounds that always show There are those who will say That they will stand in your way And try to darken your day But who says you must obey your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 